King Ahaz. We'll begin by reading from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. And the prophet Isaiah has been speaking to King Ahaz already in regard to various things and tried to encourage him and warn him. And then in verse 10 it says, Again, again the Lord spoke to King Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of human beings? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste, so that fear that King Ahaz has will be taken away. And then in chapter 9, reading the verses 1 through 7, speaking again of the people who are afraid or in distress. And it says in Isaiah 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as soldiers rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this is God's plan, his purpose. His power is focused in this way. As we reflect on these words, let's just bow in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us again this morning. We thank you we can open it and read it and reflect on it together, and that by it you would touch the hearts and lives of all those here, reflecting too on the fears that we have, but on the truth that you are our great and mighty God in whom we can trust. Help us to put our trust in you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we have been looking at these prophetic messages. We've been looking at some a little bit more obscure ones from Malachi, from Haggai over this Advent season. But each of those speaking a word of encouragement into our hearts this Christmas season. This morning, we look at this passage from Isaiah. Two references to a child, Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9. Especially to unto us a child is born. And the understanding that we need to receive from this word is that sense of what what a child. What an amazing child. Great and glorious child. That's the truth we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus, the Christ child, born for us, born to us, a sign of God's love, a sign of his power to be our Savior. So we say, hallelujah. That's why that's the main word on the banner. And then the other words are Isaiah 9, verse 6, that this is the mighty one, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's who we can trust. What a Savior. The context of Isaiah 9 is Isaiah 7, and it's a context of fear and denial of God. King Ahaz is in a desperate situation. Enemies are surrounding him, literal, physical enemies. The armies of Syria, a great power in that time, as well as the armies of the northern kingdom, Ephraim, Israel, that has divided from Judah and is also threatening. Together, those two evil uh, forces are against him. And he is afraid. And he he is naturally afraid because this looks bad. This is not good. He is really in trouble. In fact, this is it. There have been other struggles that he's worked through, but this is it. There's no hope now. And so that reality of being doomed to defeat and even doomed to die. So what what can he do? Trust in God? No. That's not an option for him. He makes a secret alliance with another power, Assyria, to help him. And he looks to that godless nation, a powerful nation, to help him. And in that, he turns against God Almighty. And there is the sense of when, when fearful, when helpless, when, when hope runs dim, then, then he does not see God as strong enough to help. He sees a small God, a weak God. And does not call out. And so in the passage we read, God is so gracious as well, powerful in love and grace, and comes to Ahaz again in Isaiah 7, and in effect says, trust in me, trust in my power to save. I can help you. Ahaz refuses God's gracious reminder through his prophet 
And he refuses the help and the hope even in this particular context. God says to him, trust in me. And we didn't, we didn't read that verse. We began reading at verse 10 of Isaiah 7. But in verse 9, it says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. We saw a movie here with the youth on Tuesday night. We had a, a, a movie night with the youth. It's nice around Christmas to have a nice casual time. And there was, it was just a lovely Christian movie regarding a, a young man who was many struggles. And it talked about his faith. His name was uh, a young man. His last name was King. And so it was King's faith. And, and it was just an example of in all his troubles... That, that he trusted in the Lord, and the Lord saved him. And one of the verses was, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. That was really the underlying verse in the movie. I don't know if all the kids caught it, but it was that hope in our troubles that we stand firm in our faith. And so that's the message that comes to Ahaz, but Ahaz is not willing to do so. If he had believed God's promise, he would have called a nation to prayer, focused the hope of the people on God's saving help. But instead he makes this alliance with Assyria and calls on them. Even when that sign is, is rejected, Ahaz putting on a pious front it says somewhere in the Bible, don't put God to the test. So he takes that to justify his lack of trust, his lack of faith. And even in that, God still comes to him and, and tries to reach out to him. In gracious love to him and to the people of Judah... He offers a sign still, a sign to assure them that those who trust in God will be delivered. Now there is, there is biblically a history of asking God for signs or God working through signs. Already in the Old Testament, Gideon, the judge, asks God for a sign. He has in mind a very simple sign. He picks it himself. And he asks God to to make a fleece wet or to make it dry. It says in Judges 6 verse 37, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you, O God, will save Israel by my hand as you said. A very simple sign. He even notices kind of down the road that it's maybe a little simple, so he switches it a little later and he says, make the, make the fleece dry and the ground wet. There, there is a sense of, of seeking a sign, hoping to be confirmed in faith. If God would do this, if he would do that, then I, I can trust him. If he does a little something, a little sign here, and that's where you get that statement, laying a fleece. Not sure if you're familiar with that, but, but some, some people will, will take this and, and just in their own lives, if they have to decide something, they'll, they'll say, oh God, you know, uh, 
And, and it can be very simple, too, if it's, if it's rainy uh, tomorrow or if it's something, something just, just that the Lord would somehow show them a sign to do this or that. So that's one example of signs, but that's a very simple sign, a very small sign. Isaiah has also given a sign to King Hezekiah. The same Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah has gone to King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was very ill. And he was going to die. And, and Isaiah says to him, God is going to restore you. And he will give you a sign. And in that context... Uh, King Hezekiah asked for a sign. Uh, 2 Kings 20, verse 9. Isaiah answered, This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised, that he will restore you to health. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps, or shall it go back ten steps? And that's on the stairs of Ahaz, the same Ahaz here, who is king and refuses a sign. King Ahaz has built lots of things and has stairs. And from Isaiah's bedroom, uh, from uh, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah's bedroom, he can look out on these stairs. And, and as the sun is, is going down, you can see the shadows lengthen. So the assumption is too. It's in the afternoon. The shadows are getting longer. And Hezekiah is looking out. And, and Isaiah is talking to him. And, and Isaiah says too, a sign. Did you want that shadow to move forward a little faster or to go back? And, and Hezekiah says, well, it's easy for that shadow to go forward maybe a little faster because it's going to go forward anyway, right? But and Hezekiah asks for the harder sign, the greater sign, a powerful sign that that shadow would go back on that step Ten steps. So that's, that's what he asks for, and that is what happens. A great and powerful sign. So you have the sense of God turning back time. And it's, it's a little more dramatic than just our time change when we fall back an hour or when we leap ahead an hour. This is an hour where God... God stops the rotation of the earth and, and brings it back. And for Isaiah, he makes a powerful, powerful statement that Hezekiah can trust in God to heal. And that sign is received and is worked out to the truth that Hezekiah is, is restored to health. So there is, a, there is a sense of signs, the fleece, the, the, the shadow moving back. And here in Isaiah 7, King Ahaz doesn't ask for a sign. He doesn't, he doesn't get a chance to, to pick a very difficult sign. God picks the sign. And we might think too, that's an easy sign. A child will be born. Yeah, that's fairly normal, fairly ordinary. And, and so really, what, what is God doing? If God could 
pick any sign, God picks this sign, that he will come as a child in Jesus at Christmas. That's really the sign, a virgin giving birth to a son and calling him Emmanuel. Luke chapter 2, verse 12, where the shepherds actually receive this same sign This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Well, what is that? (laughs) What is that? That That's a simple thing. We we see that. We had the Rodenbergs here with a beautiful baby and, yeah, a little Kessler. What what is it? We see that. That's that's not huge and powerful and great and earth standing still and stuff. This will be the sign to the shepherds and to Ahaz. The shepherds, when they come and see the child, they they get it. They are amazed. This is a great sign. That's because Isaiah 7, where it says, this will be the sign, needs to be read with Isaiah 9. And that's why we read them together also this morning. God comes in saving power to save his helpless people in sin and doomed to die. And the child through whom God will deliver is the most powerful, the most powerful child, the Son of God, the Savior, a world-changing child, a complete Fallen creation changing all the planets, all the universe, the whole earth. Everything is renewed in this child. That's the the full understanding of this sign. But even for King Ahaz, what does it mean to him? And the simplest meaning out of Isaiah 7 is very clear and very powerful and very uh, confident to him. When it says in Isaiah 7 that this child is going to be born, King Ahaz and the people don't, don't have the, the huge picture clearly before them. But there is very clearly a time frame expressed in terms of the fear that they have. And really the sign to King Ahaz is that a certain time frame is being expressed. That, that during the time it takes for a virgin, meaning a, an unmarried woman, to get married, so that's about a year generally, and then that she would become pregnant and have a child, so that's about a year, so that's two years. And then that that child would grow to a point where it was eating solid food, as well as where it could understand when the parents said to the child, oh, you know, Johnny, this is not good. And the child understands and doesn't do whatever. So that the child understands right and wrong. So depending on the children, there's a range there. Yeah, but generally maybe, yeah. One and a half, two, three. Yeah, it's, it's not a long time that there's a basic understanding of what's right and what's wrong. So you're looking at four, five, six years. It's a particular short time frame. And in that time frame, God will remove the threat 
So in, in Isaiah 7 verse 16, it says, Before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The threat will be completely gone. The fear will be totally taken away. You will be safe. So do not fear, King Ahaz. Have faith in God and you will be saved. And, and though Ahaz doesn't receive this sign at all himself, that is truly what happens. If you see the history of, of, of Judah at this time, then you see that in 734, this prophecy was delivered, and two years later, the, God sends the Assyrians to wipe out the, the empire of Syria, the nation of Syria. So that threat is gone within two years, and then a number of years later, then the northern kingdom is also destroyed. And so within about 10 years, everything is at peace. There's no threat. Everyone is saved. So that reality is presented to Ahaz. Trust in God and you have nothing to fear. So on the simplest level for us too, what are you afraid of? What worries you now? Things of our existence. Things of our day. Sometimes we look at some of the larger issues, uh, political things, world things, and we are fearful. You watch the news, you see world uh, uncertainty, you see government things, economics things, you see things like uh, the different nations of the world spying on each other and and you see then, too, there's uncertainty out there. You see economic things you wonder about. And, and it's worrying at times. It's fearful. And then that, that can funnel down into our own lives. There are things that we just ourselves daily face that we wonder about and worry about our own circumstances. Could be health issues. Things that, that we cannot just control. We wonder and we worry. And we are fearful. We have our circumstances in our work, uh, problems, things that aren't going well. How can we make it? We have financial struggles that come upon us. Or there's, there's relationship things that we wonder and worry about. Marriage and family. Many things that we are fearful of in our humanity, in our weakness and our inability to just fix things and help ourselves. So then where do we turn? And very specifically, Isaiah's message is still true to us today. We need to trust in God. We have an example of that right in the Christmas story. We have that in terms of Joseph. Joseph... Mary's husband, having to deal with actual details of this Christmas story. Joseph, whose whole world falls apart when Mary gets pregnant. This is not the beautiful, wonderful, joyous, great sign to him. This is a life-altering, totally shameful, completely ruining, devastating, awful thing that he would never want to happen. And here it is. His betrothed has been unfaithful to him. 
Everybody in the community knows that. Everyone sees Joseph as the terrible guy. What do you do? And he goes forward trusting in God, not himself. And even as he makes his way to Bethlehem, and even as he is there and the child is born, and, and, and well, that's not ideal. I mean, talk about problems and uncertainties and wondering how is this going to work and what, are, what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to work through this all? And, and being far away from home, really, and, and with the Christmas story, there's a lot of challenges. It's not all nice and beautiful and perfect and lovely. It's difficult. There's fears every day. How am I going to provide? Where can we find a place to stay? How can we care for this child? What am I going to do? Trust in God. And that's the picture, really, of Joseph in the Christmas story. He just moves forward trusting in God. And God is faithful. So Joseph, who is the one who really receives the sign that was promised to Ahaz, is in a similar, very uncertain situation. But he experiences God's care. That reality is what the message of Christmas is also about. That we can trust in God, the Messiah, who comes to save. Because this child, this child is the great Savior, the Son of God. And that's why Isaiah 9 verse 6 is our text describing that child. It's not just a little helpless baby. To us a child is born, to us a son is given... The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. To see that child, that he is the one who will govern in righteousness and truth, even things of this world right now. Jesus is the living Lord who is reigning right now over all of the uncertain situations of, of our world. And we can trust in him. He is the wise counselor like Solomon. Solomon was so wise and he led the nation of Israel to its highest point. It was glorious. Well, Jesus continues to lead the church and build his kingdom now. And we see that as a church in the world, even as we celebrate it 60 years. And we can trust in him as a church to build his kingdom. We don't have to be afraid. He is the mighty God, specifically stated, stronger than Syria and Assyria. And in his strength, he can protect. He is stronger than the mighty nations of the world, the U.S. and Russia, his strength is greater. He will do what he has purposed and yet in that strength he is our loving father. He is our loving, caring father who cares for you and me. And in that he gives us peace. He is the prince of peace. In all of our uncertainties, 
and things that we wonder and worry and are laying awake about at night. Lord, what do we do? How do we do this? What's going to work out? How is everything going to happen? Trust. Trust in this great God, Jesus, our Savior. So this morning we are reminded as people of God, given that sign again to put our trust in our great God, we can trust him this Christmas again. Amen. We're going to sing as a song of response from number 328. O come, O come, Emmanuel, drive out our fears and fill us 